Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. America. Hey, nothing says America like blowing things up. Am I right? Uh, hey, I, I just want to say I'm, I'm so thankful to live in a country where we really can uh, worship the way we want to worship and, and express our faith in God the way we want to express our God. I, th- I think it's a, it's a great uh, mistake to think that, that American culture and American values are Christian values. They're very different things. Uh, but it is also a wonderful thing to be in a country that lets us to live under what we believe God designs us to live by. <clears throat> I'm very thankful for that. And, um, and we, we celebrate by blowing things up in America. That's what we do. So I wonder if there's any first-time guests. If it's your first time here and you want a cake full of fireworks, come on up and get it. First-time guests. Anybody got any first-time guests today? Do you want, you want some fireworks? Do you like blowing things up? Oh, hold on. Well, we, got two. we got two. Come on, come on. We got, we got. First one here. First one here. Like somebody just needs to get here. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Come on. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's exciting. Hey, good, for, good job being in church on, uh, on 4th of July. How cool is that? Um, you could be sleeping in or going to parades, but you're in church. The parade of the Lord. Amen, somebody. And uh, so it's super good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I was up super late last night. I don't like to do things on Saturday past about 5, and so I did an event yesterday, last Saturday. It started at 5. <laughs> so like, the whole time I'm like, I just want to go home. Um, but does anybody else, you, you do that, you, sometimes you just feel like, I, I'm ready to be back in my bed. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's who I am. Um, but uh, I'm just thankful, again, for the freedoms today, and, and that those freedoms aren't just physical. I'm thankful that the Lord set us free. Is there anybody that, that, that like as an Independence Day, you've, you've experienced independence from maybe some addiction, independence from some, some, uh, some control in your life, independence from some spiritual oppression in your life? Anybody ever? Yeah, come on. We, we're in a room full of people that are witnesses that God provides us independence from those things that bind us and hold us back. Um, here's, here's what the scripture says. This is so encouraging to me because I, I didn't grow up understanding this very well. But here's what it says in Romans 10, 13. It says, for everyone, say, say this, say everyone. everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful that everyone who calls on the name, like you don't have to jump through hoops you don't have to do some spiritual litmus test. You don't have to, uh, you know, sh- do some sort of gymnastics. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord yeah. going to be saved. Yeah. 
I'm thankful that he really is as close as calling on his name today. And this passage goes on, and it goes just a little further. It says this, and how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? So if we call on the name of the Lord, and that's the way salvation enters our life, how do we call on him unless we believe in him? And how do you believe in him in whom you've never heard? And how are you to hear without someone preaching? And I know what I'm doing right now is preaching, but, but it doesn't have to be this. It's just someone. How are they going to hear without someone whose life preaches? How are they going to hear without a neighbor whose uh, generosity preaches? How are they going to hear without somebody around them that will, that will speak the word of God to them? And I just want to say I'm thankful that someone showed up in my life. When I needed it, I, I grew up in church all my life, but I never understood the gospel. And then one day, somebody showed up in my life that introduced me to the difference between religion and faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that somebody. <clears throat> faith comes by hearing. Here's what the next, this is what it says in verse 17. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So the way that this faith that allows us to call on the Lord and be saved, the way it gets into our life is we hear. There's something powerful about our ears. It's, it, it's a way that God is able to get into our life by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. This is why, as for me, when I'm having a really rough day, if I'm discouraged, if I'm frustrated, you'll often find me with the Bible on audio playing in my office or in my, like on my phone. I've got the YouVersion the Bible. Anybody have a YouVersion Bible app? Okay, some of you do. Listen, and for, the, for those of you that don't know what it is, there's a church in Oklahoma, and one of their mission statements is to be the most generous church the world has ever seen. It's part of the mission statement. And, and one of the ways they've done that is, is they, they spend tons and tons of money on app developers, because we know those app developers make, developers make lots more money than the rest of all of us, to develop an app called the Uversion. It's one of the most downloaded apps in the world. It's like Twitter and Uversion are the same. And I think Uversion may be the most downloaded app in the world. And the beauty of it is it's got the Bible in every language that's possible. They just they keep putting the Bible out in different languages. And my favorite thing is I can listen to the word of God. So I'll be having a rough day, and I just I'll just I learned this from a guy named Alexander Scorby. He used to read the, the King James Bible on cassette, and I would listen to Alexander Scorby, his British accent, reading the Bible to me. And then it was James Earl Jones. Nothing like Darth Vader reading the Bible to you. That's even that's even more better. But but that's what I do. If I get discouraged, I listen to the word of God. I don't just read it, I read it out loud, or I listen to it, because faith comes when we hear the word of God. It comes when we hear the word of God. So if faith arrives in our life, if faith shows up when we hear the word of God, what does faith get established on? So I'm going to make, this, I'm going to make a distinction here, that faith comes into our life through hearing, but faith stands. Faith rests. Faith doesn't float off. Yes. 
through something different than hearing. It, it comes into our life through hearing, but it stays in our life steadfast through something different. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. It says, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and great wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Woo. I love that Bible verse right there, that I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't want to know your gossip. I don't want to know your business. I don't need to know all about what he said and she said. I just want to know Jesus Christ crucified in your life because if Jesus Christ is crucified, his blood covers everything else you could gossip about in your life. Everything that she could say about you, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. What would happen if the church of Jesus got a revelation of that? Instead of meddling in everybody's business, trying to know this and that about him and her, if we just said, you know what, what I really want to know about him, what I really want to know about her, is Jesus Christ crucified in their life. Because if he's crucified in his life, nothing else matters. And he says, so I, I didn't come to you with, with lofty words and great speech. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible or logical words of wisdom. And this is the Apostle Paul. He, he's making it sound like he was not eloquent. Or he's making it sound like he's uneducated. Both of these are not true. We know that he was a prolific writer. He was somebody that had a great use of words. But he says his power wasn't in his education, and his power wasn't in his words. He says this, he says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Another translation says it like this, so that your faith would not stand in wisdom, but it would stand in the power of God. So faith comes into our life through hearing, but faith stands, faith rests, faith gets, gets settled in through the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. The enemy of your soul, he wants to disrupt God's work in your life, and he's not so concerned about you can, you can have the intellectual knowledge of him. He's actually okay with that. What he'll try to stop is your ability to experience the demonstration of God's power in your life. It, this thing is really not about what you know. Faith comes when you hear. But Christianity's not really about what you know. And just to clarify, I'm, I'm not an anti-intellectual. I, 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 I think I'm very smart kidding. I actually don't. But, but I, think, I think we need theologians and we need intellectuals in the kingdom of God. But understand the distinction that this thing is not an intellectual gymnastic trick that we have to do. It, it, it's not that we somehow memorize a certain code and that, and that is what saves us. No, it's a relationship with God that we see through the demonstration of the power of his spirit in our lives. 
That's what this thing is really about. It's not about us just knowing all the facts. It's really about us experiencing God. The Bible says everyone knows about God. Romans chapter 1 tells us that, that all are without excuse because everyone has recognized God. Even the invisible things of God are known. His eternal power and Godhead are known by the things that have been created. Everybody, everybody in the world has this thing inside of them that knows the invisible power and the, and the invisible personhood of God. Everybody does. But that knowledge is not the thing that's, that, that really establishes faith in our life. Paul says like this in 1 Corinthians, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So what he's saying is this, is that the wisdom of the, like wisdom is not the thing that establishes faith the thing that establishes faith is actually this counterintuitive thing and it's called the demonstration of the power of god in your life faith rests in the demonstration of the power of god in your life the enemy of your soul doesn't mind if you attend church. He doesn't mind if you uh, hear bible things on YouTube. He doesn't mind if, if, you, if you just have a lot of intellectual things to wrestle with in your mind. What the enemy of your soul wants to prevent is for you to experience true deliverance in your life. What he wants to stop you from is experiencing true healing in your family true salvation for your soul, like, like those miraculous moments when you got that job that you should have never got, but it was only through the grace of God, that, that thing where like you weren't the greatest of parents, but your kids turn around and they call you blessed, and that only happens through the grace of God. Like, like I'm just saying, the enemy of your soul doesn't mind if you know it, but he just doesn't want you to experience it. Faith comes to us through hearing, but faith is established by the demonstration of the power of God. Here's the deal. It's not, it's not about who you know. Or, 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 sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. This goes for everything in life. You, you, want, you can go to school and you can, get, you can get all the degrees. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. And someone who's less qualified than you but knows the right person will get the job. And it'll drive you nuts because it's about who you know, not what you know. I remember I was, uh, I was 16 years old. I had a fresh driver's license. And I was uh, testing that thing out. You know where the story's going. I was driving very fast. And uh, my parents had a, a Chevy Lumina, a burgundy Chevy Lumina. And that thing was, it was my rock crawler. Um, I, I went up so many trails with that thing, and um, my, my friends would go up roads in their Jeeps, and I'd be right behind them in my dad's Chevy Lumina. You know, like, at one point, my dad took it to the shop, and the, the mechanic was like, the mechanic's name was Gary Grunsky, and he, he told my dad, he said, hey, whoever put this thing in the ditch needs to be paying for all this work. 
My dad was like, in the ditch? <laughs> I was like, which time, dad? <laughs> but I remember I was driving one time on the Alaska Highway. I, I grew up in a place called Whitehorse, Yukon. And I was driving on the Alaska Highway and uh, going through a canyon. It's called Rabbit's Foot Canyon. And I was, as I was driving down the highway through this canyon, I was doing like 120 through this canyon kilometers an hour. So that's like 40 miles an hour. And no, the speed limit was like 90 kilometers an hour. So it's like 50 or something. And I was doing 120. So closer to 70 miles an hour. And um, just young, having fun, music blaring, kids and friends in the car. And uh, all of a sudden these lights turn on behind me. Whoop, 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 whoop. And this guy turns around, and I'm like, oh, no. And, of course, my friends were super supportive. They're like, oh, you're getting a ticket. Like, you're going to lose your license. Like, oh, you're going to go to jail. Like, super supportive friends, right? And um, when, the, when the police officer stopped, I looked in my mirror, and I saw him get out of the car. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm not getting a ticket today. I'm not getting a ticket today. What they didn't know is... That as soon as I saw that officer step out of the car, I know that guy. That guy works for my dad. <laughs> my dad owned a funeral home, and so he would hire firemen and he would hire police officers to make removals for him, to help him with the funeral business on uh, late, late night calls. And so as soon as that police officer stepped out of the car, my dad, I, I, I was like, oh, I, I know this guy. Yeah, yeah. He walks up to the car. He's like... Roger. <laughs> he's, he's like, do you realize you were speeding? I was like, yes, sir, I sure do. He took my driver's, and registration, driver's license and registration. I don't even think he looked at him, handed him back, and he was like, I'm telling your dad. You're not getting a ticket, but I'm telling your dad, right? Because here's the deal. It's, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Come on. And so many of us can fall into this trap where we think, Christianity is about what I know. It's not. It's about who you know. It's about experiencing the power of God in your life through the relationship that we get through Jesus Christ. So faith rests. Faith remains. Faith stands. Faith thrives in the demonstration of the power of God in our life. And, and what, what God has done in our life in the past, the, the enemy, he, he's not so concerned with what God has already done in your life. What he's concerned with, what he's preoccupied with is preventing God from doing anything else in your life, anything future in your life, just to stop you from having faith that stands, faith that's firm, faith that's solid. Faith comes through hearing, but faith stands through the demonstration of the power of God in our life. And if the enemy of your soul can just convince you that this whole thing is just an intellectual gymnastics trick, that it's just knowing certain things, then he will deceive you from ever having the kind of faith that stands. When things get tested, it stands. Really, the difference in the Bible, like, like throughout the the. the timeline of scripture, there's, there's a lot of people involved. And, and the difference between the people who we read about in scripture and, and the people that we don't read about in scripture, it, it's, it's not whether or not they had healthy lives because there were unhealthy people we read about in the stories of faith. It, it wasn't that they had money. 
It wasn't about their influence. It wasn't about their education. It wasn't about their age. What it was all about was the demonstration of God's power revealed in their life. What I'm saying is like for Adam, it was God revealing himself through the cool of a garden in, in the evening. Like for Noah, it was him building an altar for God after the ark and the flood. For, for Enoch, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, or Enoch was translated. For him, his experience, his encounter with God looked like Enoch never died. He just, he just went to be with God. For Abraham, it was a, a place called Mamre where he met God. For Jacob, he was in a, a place called Luz and he had an encounter with God. For Moses, he was on the backside of a desert, feeling desperate and alone, and yet he encountered God. He, he stood before Pharaoh, and he was intimidated and outnumbered, and yet he experienced the demonstration of God's power. For Joshua, it was under the shadow of a city called Jericho. For Samson, it was between the towers of a heathen temple. For Deborah, it was in the valley of Jezreel. For Elijah, it was in front of 850 false prophets, all saying God could not do it. And in that circumstance, he experienced the demonstration of God's power. I'm saying for Elisha, it was at the bottom of an empty tomb. Elisha lay as a body in a tomb that wasn't covered, and someone threw another body on top of Elisha's dead body, and the demonstration of the power of God established some things. For David, it was in the valley of Elah, and for Isaiah, it was the year the king Uzziah died. In the year that he lost all hope, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. For Jeremiah, it was in a dungeon. For Ezekiel, it was at a river called Chabar. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the demonstration of God's power looked like a burning, fiery furnace. For Daniel, the demonstration of God's power looked like he was going to stand for the things of God, even though it put him in a lion's den, and yet God reveals himself in his life in a way that no one's ever going to talk you out of when you've experienced the demonstration of God's power. Once you understand his power, the way you perceive him changes. David says it like this, he says, where shall I go from your spirit or, or where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. He, he understands this thing about God, like, like my faith, it, it, it's, it's solid, it stands, it's firm, it's a pillar, it's a stake in the ground because I've experienced the demonstration of God's power in my life. Faith comes by hearing. Faith stands by the demonstration of the Spirit in your life. David says these words. He says, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What's he saying? He's saying, God, I understand something beyond book knowledge. I understand something beyond just what the preacher says. But I've experienced the goodness of the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
He understands something powerful about the presence of God. It's one thing to hear a word. It's another thing to see that word established. Faith doesn't stand on the preaching. It doesn't stand on good music. It doesn't stand on good small groups. It stands on the demonstration of God's power in your life. I'm just saying, when faith really solidifies itself in your life, it's not because you heard a good message on YouTube. It's because you, it's because you prayed a desperate prayer and the Lord showed up and answered even when no one said it would work. It's when you thought you had no hope and you had nowhere to turn and God provided a way where there was no way. It was when you didn't have the connections and you didn't have the ability and you didn't have the strength to make things happen, but when you turn to the Lord, he arrives every time on time because he's a God that demonstrates himself. He shows himself. The enemy of your soul will do everything he can to convince you that, that, that God is, is not going to reveal himself in your life. Everything he can to prevent you from experiencing the next demonstration in your life. He does this through your job. He'll do this through your home life. He'll use your health to make you doubt God. He'll use your kids to make you doubt God. He'll use the cares of life to cause you to doubt him. He'll use the dishonor that is inherent in our culture to cause you to doubt him. Yes. And I'm just telling somebody that when you've experienced the demonstration of God's power in your life, he can try everything he wants to try, but you will not doubt him. That's right. You'll stand firm knowing that God is true and every man's a liar. The enemy will, will try to tell you God, God's never going to use you. God's never going to work in your life. He's never going to deliver. He's never going to answer that prayer. Those that should see you don't see you. Those that should elevate you aren't elevate. He'll, do all, he'll tell you all these things. Listen, the enemy of your soul is a liar. Have you ever met someone that's just a liar? Like, everything they say, you're just like, I know that's not the truth. That's what the Bible describes him as. It says this, that he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he is speaking his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. This is how the enemy of your soul works. He doesn't, he doesn't attack you physically. What he does is he tells you lies. He uses the people around you to speak lies into your life, that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you don't have what it takes, that you, you don't have enough time left in your life to make a difference, or, or maybe you're too young to make a difference. He'll, he'll tell you all kinds of lies. And when we agree with and believe those lies, we prevent the demonstration of God's power in our life. What's the lie you've been holding on to? I want you to know Jesus, Jesus gives you power over those lies. He says, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. And I know there's crazy churches out there that are like passing out snakes and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. 
What I'm saying is there, there's an expression right there. He's saying this. You have power over the enemy. You have authority over the enemy. And some of us don't experience the demonstration of God's power in our life because he's just convinced us with this lie that says that, there, that that stuff isn't for you. It's for someone else. It's just not for you. Like God wants to do, God will do amazing, like I believe God can do great things, I just don't believe he can do them for me. Mm. What that does is that just inhibits the demonstration of God's presence in your life. Telling somebody, you've got power with God. You've got power with God. In first and second, well, actually in the whole Bible, I, I, I really... I love the word of God, but there are certain portions of it that I, I'm not a fan of. Has anybody started, have you ever started reading the Bible in Genesis? Has anybody ever done that? Okay. Uh, did any of you like quit the moment you got to Leviticus? Okay. And for those of you, like they're giggling, but here's why. Because in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what's going on is it's starting to say these things like, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. And you're like, what's begat mean? It means that that was the baby. Like, they, they had this person as their new baby. So it's just like this lineage. It's like somebody's family tree. It just starts, and I'm like, I don't want to know about your family tree. I just want to know about Jesus and what he's going to do for me, right? So anytime you get to these portions where it just starts going into this lineage stuff, it's just like, for me, I, my eyes just gloss over, like, whoop, you know, and I'm just like, eh, skip. The Lord knows the intent of my heart, right? Like, I just, this happens in, in uh, First Chronicles as well. Chronicles is, it's a chronicle, it's a chronicle or a collection of stories of the children of God. And, and in the book of Chronicles, it's doing the same thing. It's going, oh, this person did this, and this person had this person, and this person did this, and this person had this person. Just goes on and on and on, and my eyes are getting heavy, and my, you know, I'm doing the, this thing, right, falling asleep. And after 333 verses of this person, this person, this person, this person, and then it tells us this really blip of a story, just a, just a quick little story. It tells us, about some children of Ephraim. Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. And it tells us this in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 21. It says, And Zabad, his son, Shuluth, and his son, <laughs> Ezer, and Eliad, whom the men of Gath were born, uh, whom the men of Gath who were born in the land killed, because they came down to raid their livestock. So it has this little blip, and it says, there's these four guys, sons of Ephraim, who were killed because the family of Goliath, who were still in the land, killed them. The people from the same town as Goliath killed these guys. It's just this little blip of a story. And, and to us in our Bible, I mean, it takes us a second to read it, but think about the trauma that the family just experienced. Four people. Over cows. Over a stupid thing. It's really a Job experience that just kind of pops up, but we don't get any context. Right. It's a tragedy. And then it goes on, it says this, And Ephraim, their father, mourned many days, and his brothers came to comfort him. And Ephraim went into his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. 
Because nobody knows that what helps with grief is bearing children. (laughs) Give you more grief. And he called his name Bariah because disaster had befallen his house. This word Bariah, it literally means disaster. I don't know if there's people in this room, maybe your mom and dad didn't name you disaster. But it sure felt like they did. There had been so much going on, you thought your name was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ! This poor kid was born after a tragedy, and his whole life was defined by something that happened before he ever showed up. And so many of us, this is what happens in our life. We we get defined by the circumstances around us. Disaster. We take on the labels. We take on the names. It's just a disaster. And we're stuck with you. And what's crazy to me when I read this word of God, because this is like one of those moments where you see and you're like, it does not feel like God revealing himself in this situation. It's a tragedy, and then this poor kid gets stuck with the name disaster. But remember, Chronicles is this, is this book that just kind of, it blip, blip, blip stories. And 29 verses later, there's another blip. It's a story with no context. It just tells us real quick, it says this. And Bariah, this boy, and Shema, they were heads of fathers' houses of the inhabitants of Lehan, who caused the inhabitants of Gath to flee. You see that? Bariah, this, this kid who was named Disaster, and his story is just inside parentheses. Not much to look at. But somehow his life was leveraged to cause the children of Gath that created disaster in his home to leave. Somewhere deep down inside of him, there was this knowledge that one day there's going to be a day, a day of reckoning, a day when I will stand up for righteousness, a day when when all that has gone wrong will be made right. There's going to be a day when my life will actually mean something. They may call me disaster today, but one day they will call me a redeemer or a restorer. This knowledge that one day, when, just inside of this young man, there must have been an, just this feeling that one day when you get the chance, when you get a voice, when, when you have an opportunity, you got to right the wrongs. You're, you're going to change what happened to the children of God in this situation. You're going to make some things right. Like this idea that you were born for such a time as this. And I know there's men and women in this room who say things like, oh, like the world's 
going to hell in a handbasket like America's lost its ever-living mind. And I absolutely agree with you. But I'm saying there are some people, you're looking around and you're like, it's just a disaster. And God is saying, would you just be willing to leverage your life, not, not to be a whole book of the Bible, not to be a whole chapter of the Bible, not even a whole verse, but a parenthesis that says, my life mattered. I made a difference. I allowed God, I allowed the demonstration of God's presence in my life and it changed generations. Like, what would it be if, you, if your life was just a parenthesis that God, that God used her? No one, th everybody thought she was done and she was a has-been. And then all of a sudden, God used her and won her entire family to the Lord. Like, like God, God he, he didn't even finish high school. And yet God used him to build churches around the city. Like, God used her to send missionaries around the world. What would it be like? If you recognize that the demonstration of God's presence in your life is what establishes, it makes the faith stand, it makes the firm immovable in your life. It doesn't matter what your background looks like. You were born for this moment. Deliverance came from a child named disaster. Because for him, this thing was going to be about, I'm going to experience it. I'm going to move forward. Like, I'm going to actually roll up my sleeves and be a part of what God is doing. The band would come. You know, I think about Samson. Samson was an incredible man in Scripture, I guess there's a movie coming out about him now. You know you've really arrived when Hollywood finally gives you a nod. <laughs> the Bible tells us a story where, where a lion comes out, and Samson, Samson had incredible strength. He didn't appear to be strong, but he had incredible strength. And a lion comes out, and Samson grabs his lion and rips its jaw open and breaks it, kills it. And he comes back around the lion a long time later. And inside the skull of that lion that he killed with his bare hands, there's a honeycomb. The bees had somehow found the skull and were building a nest. There was honey, and he was able to refresh himself from the honey. The lion showed up in an attempt to destroy him. The lion was not a good thing. It was a hardship. But in that hardship, God demonstrated his power. And Samson was able to go back and refresh himself from the demonstration of God's power on a past hardship. There's this really beautiful passage in Habakkuk. It says this. Habakkuk 3, verse 17. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herds in the stalls. Is anybody encouraged yet? Though everything's going wrong, Though everything you hoped in 
isn't quite turning out how you wished it had. He says this, verse 18, yet, in spite of all those things, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There, there's, in fact, there's six things that go wrong here. And then the seventh thing, he says, yet I'm still going to rejoice because there's a faith that's been established that isn't based on human arguments, thinking, and wisdom, but it's based on the demonstration of God's Spirit. I would just ask somebody today, are, are you ready for God to really reveal himself in your life? Because I think so many of us, we love the idea of God. We love being saved. But we, we want to keep him manageable and at an arm's distance. We don't want to allow him in to demonstrate his power in our lives. I'm just here to tell you that's not how this thing was intended to be. It's not intended to be an intellectual exercise. It's supposed to be the demonstration of the power of the Spirit in your life. And we don't experience it because for most of us, I know certainly for me, I just don't have enough time. I'm so busy I've got so many things going on in my life. I've got so much media constantly flooding into my brain, into my world, that I never take time to just get rid of all of it and just experience the presence of God. What I'm saying is like he's speaking, he's wanting to interact, but we're so fast-paced Monday to Saturday. We come to church on Sunday morning, punch the clock, and then we go get lunch, and we're gone, like just fast, 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 fast that we never just slow down and allow God to reveal himself to us. My Bible says this, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles, run, not grow weary, walk, not faint. I grew up in old school church where like the saints would they took that seriously I mean it wasn't come into church get down boom I'm out the door it was I might not even have anything to say to the Lord but I'm just going to wait because I'm, I'm more concerned with the demonstration of God's power in my life than getting on with my life Why don't you stand with me all across the room? And, and I just want to encourage somebody. Don't, don't let your mind be full of all the things. You're, you're going to blow things up later. It's going to be amazing. But right now, just create margin for God. Just remove your distractions and just enter into his presence. Because faith comes by hearing but faith stands or rests in the demonstration of God's power. So let's respond to the Lord.
Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.